Welcome everybody to Panfish Nation along with Mark. I'm Lyle and Mark, we got a great guest tonight. Ted Ellensbeck is going to be with us. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. And right now, let's uh I, I, I would like to say before we get started, your brother Chad's in trouble. I saw it coming. Yeah, he's in trouble. He, I saw he will, it coming. He will he will live his life eternally on the bottom. <laughs> uh, you and he know what that means. We know what that means. Been, can figure it out, but yeah, I, I, was, I got it. I got it covered for you, Lyle. Don't worry, I'll take I understand. it. It was great to see him with with uh, Betty and Brandon and D all down visiting with my old buddy Doc Lang. I mean, that was uh, that was awesome to see Doc. It looks like everything's going good down there for them. But what do you say we announce some of the people that's in chat tonight, Mark? I would love to do that. I want to say hello to Ted. How are you? How are you doing? I'm going to say hello to everybody out here in chat. It looks like we got 22 people in chat. I want to make sure I don't forget because I know they're watching. They might not be in chat yet, but I want to say happy birthday to D again. I want to say hello to my sister, Betty. I want to say hello to Brian B. Catfishing in the house. Brian B. is going out to be the, the, the king of the Potomac River this week up against Has Life. My money's on Brian B. Catfishing, by the way. Uh, we got Catfish Fever and Outdoors. What's going on, Lynn? Thanks for coming in. Good to see you, my friend. Miss Cindy Stokes, the one that takes care of Lyle, make sure that he's fed and clothed or else he'd come on screen a lot skinnier and probably not as, not as clothed as he is today. Uh, crappie day fish on what's going on buddy creole catfishing who will be fishing against lyle stoke stokes this sunday at 7 a.m central central standard time uh we're looking forward to that that'll be on my channel catfish and crappie like you all don't know that uh we got dale hayslip what's going on dale dan thompson what's up buddy how you doing dan we have ernie brown fins and fines fishing with squirrel Fishing with the Chad, who is in trouble, Chad. I know all about it. You're in real trouble. Jeremy Colvin Fishing, check out his channel. He's got some videos up recently. I think he's putting some of the old videos from his other channel up. Go over there, uh, uh, support him. Get your subscriptions back since YouTube, YouTube did the business on him. JP3 Outdoors, what's up, my friend? Hopefully they're not working you all too hard. If I'm not mistaken, you might not be working that hard in the near future. We'll talk later. But Keith Smart, Keith, I'm so glad you're feeling better. Good to see you back in the chats. Uh, Mike Irvin, what's going on, Mike? Muskrat Adventures, how you doing, Roger? Uh, we have uh, Papa Ed's in the house. What's up, Papa? Philip Williams, setting hooks and crossing eyes. Hey, Ryan, I got your message in uh, at the bait shop. Um, I'll contact him, see what I can do. Uh, otherwise, just have him send it to you. I got a whole pile of them. We'll, 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 get, we'll have plenty of jigs to, to crappie fish with, buddy. Uh, I see uh, Super Dave, 365. Philip Williams, in case I forgot him. The Bullock Experience. What's up, Kelly? Josh over at the Weekend Angler. How you doing, Josh? And we have Uncle Lou, who was on Catfish Weekly last week. Uh, of Uncle Lou's Bait and Tackle. What's going on, Lee? How you doing? I see a Chester Wyatt in the house. Uh, scrolling through the list again. Hopefully I don't miss anybody, but I've been known to do that. We have Freddy's Outdoor Adventures. What's going on, Freddy? How you doing, bud? Uh, Kim Burnett. What's up, Kim? How you doing? Uh, check out Kim's uh, uh, page on Facebook and Instagram. He's got all sorts of cool jigs out there that he ties. Watch him do it live as well. Uh, I think I got everybody, Lyle. That was a mouthful. They're stacking in still. Did you get Air Run? Air Run? What's up, my friend? No, I didn't. I apologize for that, buddy. Must have snuck in under the radar. He probably got in when you had your eyes shut. 
Yeah, he snuck in when Betty just snuck in, too. I seen she snuck in there. Well, I said hello to you, Betty, if you didn't hear it earlier. Oh, and happy Betty. birthday to D2. Fitting hooks and crossing eyes, fishing with the squirrel. I think you got about all of them. I try. That's It's just the... Uh, that, that's why he keeps me around. I'm good at announcing the people's names. I keep up with everybody. That's right. That's right. Ted, what have yeah. you been up to, buddy? Yeah, how you guys doing? Wonderful, man. How you doing? And what have you been up to lately? Oh, boy. All kinds of good stuff. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, I will. First, I, okay. want to tell you, I, I appreciate you guys having me on tonight. I appreciate it. It's always nice to be around you. You guys do a great job, and you promote the sport really well. Thank you. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm honored yeah. to hear you. All right. Well, uh, Saturday, I was at a youth event up here put on by uh, Wild Dakota Television. And, and I want to talk about this just a little bit because I was absolutely impressed with the way they handled this. And if there's anybody out there that ever wants to put on a youth program, I'm just going to throw out a couple things they did. You should think about this. We had between three and 400 youth on this event from 10 o'clock in the morning to three o'clock. And what impressed me was the variety. It was like an outdoor event. It wasn't just a fishing event. They had uh, a skeet shoot. They had a BB gun shoot. They had a 22 range. They had a boat, an archery, you know, outfit. They had a bow fisherman. They had a motocross guy that did some jumps. Uh, a couple fishermen. Uh, they had a, a slew of sponsors. And what I thought was really neat, because of the variety of people and and the difference in the kids, they had what they called a bingo card. And maybe I'm old-fashioned or whatever but i've never seen this they had they called it a bingo card and everybody that was there as a speaker or a booth had a little square on this bingo card and the kids had to get a signature from every booth on this bingo card to win a big to win a, a door prize now don't get me wrong all the kids got something i i was handing out uh a little starter fishing kit from the game fishing parks department and you know so everybody got something but they had some, some matted prints. They had some really big stuff. <clears throat> so the kids had to go to every booth. Now they didn't, okay, they didn't have to like shoot a gun if they didn't want to. They didn't have to do the casting if they didn't want to. But they had to at least talk to the people there, you know. So they got a big variety of, of ideas and information. And then we signed their little card. At the end, they, they had to turn that card in, and then they were eligible for the big prizes. And I thought that was very cool, and the variety um, of people that kind of kind of fit everybody, you know. And anyway, so I just wanted to mention that because I, I was just really impressed. The kids came in and out of there with a continual flow for five hours. That's very cool. Uh, first thing that yeah. came to mind is, what if I went in there and I identified as a kid? Could I go through and do all that stuff? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, that sounded like fun to me. I'd have been all over that. That'd be oh, pushing yeah. kids well, out well, of the way. And, <laughs> and I had like a little, a 10 minute seminar, literally, huh? like 10 minutes, because that's the attention span, right? And half the time, the moms and dads were going, Shh, what? <laughs> they were here and they were in on it. Yeah. No, the parents were involved too. You know, so it was a good thing. It sounds like and, a wonderful event. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then if uh, anybody is in eastern South Dakota on November 13th, uh, I do have a full-length uh, live seminar with Game Fish and Parks at the outdoor campus. And that will be on locating fish. And this is going to be kind of unique because they're going to film it and then they're going to supply it or provide it to like the outdoor camp and pier and the outdoor campus in Rapid City and archive it so people can access it later. That can't show up. And we're limited to 70 on, on the seating on that. So, you know, we'll see how it fills up. But that's it. So that that's my events for now. But hey, and that's here. Awesome. That's awesome. Sounds like events I would like to to attend those yeah. i know I've, I've heard you speak on numerous occasions ted and i gotta say that anybody who's able to catch you whether it's online or or even better live don't miss it it's definitely something you want to take part in it is well, and, well, thank and you. The, i tried it deliver you know one of the great things that ted has out going for him is a video that you can uh get it's called any fish any water and this has probably some of the absolute best content <laughs> about fishing for nearly any kind of fish that swims in any kind of water that you'd ever try to fish in and know how to catch them. Uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. If you ever get a chance to check that out, please do. You will not be disappointed. Well, well thank you for the plug, Lyle. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to add a little bit to that, if, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, you know, that was a really good foundation video. And it is, and the information is really good, and it's been accepted. Iowa now has uh, that video on their educational programs in the state of South Dakota. And so, so it's getting some play and used like I want it to be. But this year, um, well, you know, with the, with the virus and everything, things kind of slowed up. But we've still been fishing it and working with it. And we came up with something else we're going to add to it um, this summer. And we're calling it expanding the fringe, um, and and for this show it kind of really fits because it really it really applies to like yellow perch, crappie, and walleye, and it fits right in with the theory of three, which is a, the the video basically, um, and combining elements, and it seems like common sense, but we ne never really realized how important it was to expand past the connection point of the two elements. You know, I always push in the video where the elements connect, you know, like where the drop off connects to the rock pile, where, where, where. But when, once you hook a fish on that, like with the yellow perch on a mud bottom under ice, at least in South Dakota, you get the blood worms coming up in the winter. And if you hook up on that mud line, you want to move over, you know, so that's expanding off of the connection point, you know, onto that fringe. And we've never really played that in into this video very much. So on the trip we have coming up, we're going to be filming uh, muskie, northern pike, walleye, crappie, and yellow perch, and hopefully smallmouth bass. And we're adding the fringe aspect on all of those videos. Those are going to be species specific. And we're up there for two weeks in northern Minnesota. Got the cabins rented. We got boats going and fish should be biting September 12th to the 22nd, you know. So everybody, they, they should be hitting really hot. Yeah, that's a good time of year up there. Yeah, 
should yeah. be great. Yeah. Um, and that, that kind of brings me to a little, would you like to talk fall crappies a little bit? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, could, we're going to be fishing crappies up there. And this time of year, the guys that fish crappies are going to understand this really, really quickly. This is kind of a, a transition period right now. You know, the water is just starting to cool a little bit. And during the summer, you know, a lot of the crappies are, are, are they're forming around the weed beds and, and, you know, they're hugging minnows and everything else in there. But right now, a lot of the weeds, at least up here, are starting to die. The bottoms are turning brown. Water starting to cool off. So when we get there on the 12th, we're probably going to have a little bit of a problem on, on really finding the fish because they're going to be stuck between like the dock situation and the weed mm -hmm. line situation. And then the first point out from the mouth of the bay where it starts dropping into deeper water and a rock formation and then the basin, you know, and we're going to probably find fish on all of those areas. They'll be scattered. I'm thinking. Yep. Yeah, we're going to find, we're, you know, it could even depend on the day on this trip. Mm -hmm. uh, we could have some fish up shallow on the docks. You know, if we can find some live weeds, weed line might be good. What I think is going to happen here, though, we're going to be right in the middle of it. And I think if, I, if you can find, like, we'll say the bay with the weeds and the weeds are starting to die off, if you move out to the mouth of the bay, if you can have, find one with a rock point coming off the front of it, I think we're going to find them off the drop of that rock point, I think. But okay. what, do you, what do you think, Mark? I, I, I'm thinking once, okay, uh, uh, just so people in chat know, you're you're up in, in South Dakota. You're going to be up in in, in, North, in Minnesota. North, so, northern Minnesota, right? Yeah, late, 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 yep. late September is probably comparable to everybody else's October down here, just to give people an idea of uh, the time of, of, of conditions, not necessarily the time of year, but the time of conditions for the year. Uh, when those weeds start dying off, would you agree that – they, they start gassing off and they start chasing fish out of them. Pretty much, they don't want the carbon dioxide. They're going to be looking for, like you said, rocky points. They're getting ready. They're still feeding on their normal forage, but they're getting ready to hit the basins in the colder seasons. They're looking. They're going to start looking for those those little red worms or whatever they're called at that time of year. They're, it, you're absolutely right. That's what I've learned the hard way, actually. I wish I'd have found your stuff a long time ago. It would have saved me a lot of heartache, Ted. I'm not going to kill you yeah. but but once that like you said that turning happens they're they're going to move they're going to get spread out and you just kind of got to hammer them i know that betty and chad here she does a lot of long line trolling and i think that's a good way of of locating fish if you're looking for big fish they're going to be solo they're, they're going to be on their own you're going to have to fish the bottom you're not going to find them suspended as much and and just kind of stick to your guns is what my plan is that time of year yeah, I think the, uh, well, up here now, this is where, you know, crappie fishing, there's a lot of different presentations, like like in northern Minnesota, as an example, we can only use one rod, one hook, okay, yep. you know, whereas a lot of crappie fishermen, they're putting, you know, the hair jigs out in fan pattern, and, you know, we can't do that, so what I think is going to happen, normally in the mid midsummer, I'll, I'll drift a slip bobber with a minnow about three feet under it, drift over to open water, you know, and we'll just find them, and there, there they are. But mm -hmm. in this point, I think we're going to be vertical jigging with some leadhead jigs, tipped with minnows, 
and, and small plastics. And for guys that are that are doing this, I, I, I think they want, want to remember, if you're fishing walleye, you want the jig bouncing off the bottom, essentially, most of the time. Mm-hmm. With the crappie, you're going to want to lift it up off the bottom about three feet. If your electronics are good, you want to keep the jig right up above them, you know. And if you can find a school of minnows over the top of them, you want to put your jig right between the school of minnows and your rock. Yeah. Make, them, make them hit your jig before they can get to the minnows. That makes a lot of sense to me. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, speak, I think it's going to be good. The speaking of electronics, have you had any exposure to a live scope lately or as of yet? No, I haven't. Okay. I highly recommend you get out with somebody who has it. It'll open your eyes a lot. Yeah. Trust me. It, it, yeah, it makes you it makes you double think a lot of things that not that you. I know it did for me. Like that they only feed up. No, they don't only feed up. <laughs> Will they only yeah. eat minnows? No, they'll eat plastic before a minnow. Oh yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. So I highly recommend you get somebody who has one in their boat yeah. and get out there. It's it's nothing but an awesome tool, so to speak. Right, Lyle? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little mic noise from you, bud, just so you know. How about now? I, I I think it quit. I'm sorry, Ted. What did you say? Oh, I just asked Lyle what he thought about this with crappies. Um, I haven't fished a lot for crappie in the last several years. I spent my time chasing uh, bluegills, but um, crappie are so structure oriented that the hardest part for me was finding the depth they was in. Yep. Uh, again, that with this new live scope and and uh, all the new electronics is coming out, I think that would be a moot point because they're going to tell you exactly where they're at. Uh, oh yeah. The problem with them are um, not everybody can afford them. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm tired of learning new stuff every other year, so I may be a little bullish on that. Yeah. Well, I, I like I say where we're going now. I, I think we're going to find them, but I think. You know, we got like three different choices where to pick from. And I think to start with, we may find them in all three places. I, I think. bet you do. You probably will you know, find them scattered out there. And where we find fun, them, fun trip. I, I think we're going to find them off the points. And I think we're going to find the walleyes right with them, frankly, right now, this time of year. You know, I think they're going to be sitting right with them. So we'll see. That would be great. That yep. would be great. Yep. It's going to be a good trip. We're going to we're going to actually we're going to be fishing muskie and we're going to be fishing northerns and smallies and crappie and some perch. I, and I had a guy tell me that there's some green-eared sunfish up there that actually go up to three quarter of a pound. I've never seen I'm, one that big. I'd be all over that. I, so I, I want to try to find a couple. <laughs> I gotta, I have to ask you. Um, Mark has been telling me for some time that the Yellow perch up there are as good to eat as crappie. Is that true? Oh, you cut out a little bit loud. I say Mark has told me that the yellow perch up in the northern states are as good to eat as crappie. Is that a fact? It is. They're very good. That's unbelievable. I thought nothing could be as good as crappie. (laughs) No. Well, well, I call crappie fish chips. I love them. They're they're really good. But but absolutely, perch are really good eating. Uh, walleyes, walleyes, you know, everybody says walleyes, walleyes, walleyes. Frankly, they don't quite have enough taste for me. No, I agree. They, they're just bland. I uh, keep, they're, they're, the crappie, they're just bland. 
I keep telling Lyle that crappies are fish chips and that perch are fish sticks. They pretty much relate that way. I I can dig them both. That's what I call them. And I do love walleye. I love eating walleye, but uh, they're still, they're probably uh, number three in my book. Burbits up there too, but I just started fishing for them last year. I'll be chasing them again, hopefully this this December, I'm hoping. The best fish I ate this year was a channel cat. So far, I cleaned a channel cat that Jory caught and uh, mm-hmm. for her she wanted to supper and i'll tell you what we, we uh treated it a little different we cleaned the fish and then we brought a pot of water to a boil and we blanched that we cut them into like oh half egg sized chunks and we put it in the boiling water for like 15 seconds just just poof and then strained it off it took all the oil out of that meat that 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 challenge mm. had flaked up just like a just like a walleye or a crappie flake up. Wow! Terrible. Did it get rid of the yellow fat on the fish? Well, yeah. Well, the fish wasn't really fat, but I, I had a guy, well, from Black's Camp down in South Carolina, tell me they do that with uh, blue cats, and so I thought, okay, I'm going to try this, and you could tell the difference. It took the oil, the fat, right out of that meat. It I just, can't wait to try that. I'll try it. And it just poured right off. And, you know, don't forget the tartar sauce. You got to have that. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 make, I make this tartar sauce with some Korean kimchi sauce in there, nice and spicy. That's That'll open yep. your eyes if you're into that sort of thing. But I kind of do the same thing with my cat. Actually, Stu Miller from um, Total Angling Experience, he swears that catfish tastes better than crappie to him. But me and him have, have had that conversation on on more than one occasion, but he does the same thing I do, which is uh, uh, you just got to rinse those fillets because that blood and that fat, that yellow meat that you see on there is water soluble. If you run enough water through it, it'll, it'll dissolve it. So maybe by putting it in that blanche, it's doing the same thing only faster. So I'm going to give that a shot. Probably. It just just loosens it up, melts it, you know, Mm -hmm. just like bacon grease in a pan, I suppose. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't want to cook it. I mean, you don't want to leave it in there and boil it till it's done. You just you just splash it, give it 15 seconds, pour it off. You know, sounds and good. Then, we'll try it. Boil it up and fry it. God, it was really incredible. It was. That it sounds stuff. sounds wonderful to me because you know I would for years I only fish for catfish. I didn't fish for bluegill or crappie or nothing else, and I I like to eat small blues and channel cats uh, yep. but the best is flatheads but i just come to the point where it's really hard for me to kill a flathead anymore uh it's not that i don't like eating them because i do but i'm really really hard to press to to put one out now um after you catch a really big one you know that little one has that chance to be in that big one but if i was going to eat one it would be a small fish of any any of the three but um, I love catfish I, to eat. Uh, I really do. But that blanch in them, I, I think that that is going to be a game changer. I, I can't wait to try it. I, I had I had never uh, never tried it before, and you know, just talking to Kevin down there, and he said, "Do this," and it was a game changer. It completely changed that fish. Wow! And and it was great. It was incredible. That, that's amazing. I, I'm going to do that. Maybe if I get one or two tomorrow, we might keep a couple of them and, and try that. I have a 
I have a uh, two burner stove that sets up on legs and um, it, you can put a griddle on it and all kinds of stuff. I bought it hell five or six years, maybe 10 years ago. It's never been out of the box, but uh, that would be perfect to set that up with one burner with, with the hot water in it, boiling water. And then while you're waiting for your grease to warm up on the other one to fry the fish in. So one side's for fries, one side's for fish, Lyle. You know the rules. Oh, yeah, I do know that. <laughs> we we kind of got into talking catfish here a little bit. You, you got, can I make an announcement about the flathead regulations? You can. You absolutely can. Okay. Um, this has been going on now for about two years with Iowa on the boundary waters of, of Nebraska and North Dakota. And I just want to let people know because – it slowed up, it, it, you know, diplomacy, whatever, takes time. But I talked to Chris Larson uh, down in Iowa, and it is going to play out. <clears throat> Excuse me. They are writing the new regulations. Uh, they will be the one over 30 for the flatheads on the entire Missouri River. And uh, also then we'll go in ahead and install that on the Sioux River in South Dakota, which is the boundary water of Iowa. Uh, and what's going to happen with that, you guys, if that goes through, this will be the largest single regulation fishery in the United States. Th this regulation will cover the Missouri River from the North Dakota border to Missouri, the entire state of Nebraska, the entire state of South Dakota. Minnesota is already one over 24, and it will be the boundary waters on the western side of Iowa. That's a big swat of water. Yes, so, it is. And, and what I'm looking forward to is if they get that put into effect and everything passes, that it will force Illinois and Missouri to do the same thing. Well, well it'll set an example for everybody. We have a slot rule for uh, Flathead here on the Fox River, which is nowhere. It's like a creek on one of those water waterways. But it's had such a positive effect on the flathead fishery here. I, I, I hope that it, when it's in, implemented on such a big waterway that it'll spread to the rest of them. That would be awesome yeah. to see. Well, you have all the tributaries that come in and out of that Missouri River, you know. And I think the biggest effect that it's going to have is, well, the regulation itself will make a difference, I believe. But, but also... I, I think the impact that it has on the people that fish it, um, I, you know, the walleyes up here as an example, it's kind of like your peer group, um, you know, up here in South Dakota and in Minnesota now, I mean, boy, you don't even think of killing a 30 inch walleye. No. You know, wow. Mm. Maybe one in your life if you want him on the wall, but that, you know, that's it. And it just turns into kind of a peer group. If, if you let, the people know the value of the fishery and you know with the walleye thing in south dakota we have seen an improvement um in the fishery since they've started doing this we had a cabin on lake madison when i was young and the biggest walleye we ever caught there like in 25 years uh was maybe five pounds and since these regulations have come into play in the last well 20 years, 15, 20 years, you know, you can go up to Madison now and catching four or five pounders is just common. So right there, that's just, you know, and the fishing pressure is three times more than what it used to be. Oh, yeah. But, but they're letting those five pounders go, you know. 
and, and now you can go up, you can catch them. And when I was young, you know, you could keep fish and eat them and how many, you know, I think the limit was like eight a day and whatever. And, you know, if you caught a three pound walleye, that was a good size walleye back then, you know. The other thing is, not only is the fishing pressure greater, the equipment that we have to catch fish with is way, way better than it was when we was kids. Oh, well, just like you're talking electronics. Yeah. Yep. You, yeah. You can go out with a boat right now. You don't have to, you, you know, the boat will show you where, where the fish yeah, side imaging, <laughs> side imaging was really feared when it came out, especially I know it's a game changer. From a lot of the walleye guys out here, because you can spot those pods of walleyes on that side imaging alone. You don't even need anything like a, like a live scope or something to do that. But you still, like they say, they still got to catch the fish. And in combination with people being, you know, more having, well, harvesting more responsibly and, and putting the, you know, smart regulations that don't hurt, you know, uh, the tourist industry or the sport itself. I think we can all find that happy medium and, and right. can you continue to have that resource available for many generations to come. So at least that's the way I feel about it. Yep, you just brought up a really important point. I'm going to second it, and that's putting in the regulations that don't harm the fishery, because you know you can go too far to the extreme. Like like in the catfish, we we've seen a lot of guys, and I, I'm not taking sides. I'm just delivering information here. But we've seen guys where shouldn't keep anything, you know, re release everything. Um, well, maybe on somebody's water that that's necessary. But what happens then, you know, other people have licenses too. And other, you know, and some people like to eat a fish once in a while. I do. I do. Okay. And, and and believe it or not, some people still, you know, they like they like to add that to their to their freezer because they need to. Yep, exactly. They really do. And if you stop, like in South Dakota, well, anywhere, if you stop where, okay, you can't harvest any flatheads. I mean, I do protect flatheads. You guys know that. But, mm -hmm. but I'm against the, the no harvest because right off the bat, you just cut out the tournament anglers. You just cut them out. You can't put them in. If you can't keep them, you can't put them in a live well. You can't bring them in. You can't bring them into way. Well, now... You see, you you just killed the flathead thing for the for the tournament. You just hurt the tournament guys. And when you're establishing regulations, you got to be careful. Like like you said, Mark, you need to balance the regulation, try Absolutely. to improve the fishery, but don't hurt anybody that's involved with it at the same time. You know, and, and that's a balancing act. And that that's why like this thing with Iowa has taken a while. They're, they're considering it. You know, it's going to go, I believe, and I've been told it's probably going to go. But, you know, they got the information from the anglers. They took the boats, you know what I mean, like they mm -hmm. should. And they're, but they're going to alter their blue cat and their channel cat and the flathead to match Nebraska and South Dakota, which is huge because they're pretty much free game right now, you know, on what you can do to cats in western Iowa. And, and they're going to do it. They're going to take it down to one blue cat. You know, and, and like five channels instead of 15 and uh, one flat over 30, you know, and just they're going to set it up. They're, they're serious. Awesome. They, up, so in, up in Minnesota, they even have uncertain bodies of waters. They have panfish limits, don't they? The, and it's a successful program from my understanding, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Minnesota, the Minnesota River. They, uh, I, I think I think uh, all I think all the cats in Minnesota are one over 24 inches. 
Mm -hmm. I'm talking about just like bluegills in general. Isn't that what Brian B. Uh, uh, we had, uh, I forgot his name, right? Uh, Lyle. We had Brian from up there, the ice fishing guy. Yeah, yeah. Brian, uh, he. Wisconsin. Brosdale. Brian Brosdale. Oh, he, uh, Brian, oh yeah, bro. Yeah, he was telling us about panfish limits up there and a lot of the, 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 what are they called? Pothole lakes up there mm -hmm. that have really made a big difference. I mean, it's like a prime example of how, and that's proof of concept with a smaller fish that I keep talking about with panfish where you can check your tactics a lot faster than you can when you're fishing for a, a 30 pound flathead. Not that we, you would use the same, but you, you, you kind of learn that same problem solving technique through that that whole right. process and that's exactly what the scientists and the biologists do by testing them on certain waterways at least that's what i think yeah no absolutely right we do have a question from sk's crappie catching adventures he says what classifies a good crappie in y'all's area what would you consider a good crappie ted in your area your neck of the woods 10 inches big 10 good inches crappie. yeah 10 that would inches. be a good keep that would be a keeper that would be a good crappie. Well, a keeper, if you're looking to fry dinner, probably eight inches, maybe, but I'd say 10 inches. You get up over, you know, 13, 14 inches, and you got a, a really nice crappie, you know? Yeah, we'll have, we'll, certain, it depends on the body of water up here. 10 inches is a is a good fish for this far north. Yeah. I know down south where, where he fishes, they get a little bigger, and, and in Missouri, they get a heck of a lot bigger, don't they, Lyle? Yeah, you could... If Eric's still in here, he would know more about that than I do. But a 14-inch crappie here is a great fish. And if you get a 15 or a 16, that's a trophy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They go on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They do. But, you know, for me, uh, 10-12s are great eating fish. Yep. Exactly. 10 yeah. inches up here, that, that's a nice bunch of crappie if you get into 10 inches like that. I like them. I like them ones that or blue on the sides and around the lips and weigh about three quarters to a pound when I can catch them. But most of them get returned and I keep their smaller brother. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I'm going to try something different, you guys. That, uh, yeah. Well, and I'm hoping I get this on film up there, back to the vacation. I'm just jumping around here a little bit. But when I lived in the Black Hills, I used to fly fish trout mm -hmm. you know, on the creeks and on the lakes. And, and a lot of fun, but you're dealing with, you know, 8, 10, 12-inch fish and, and, you know, and like a four-weight fly rod and, you know, little nymphs. And, but it's fun. But anyway, we're, we're going up here and we're going to do muskies and northerns on fly rods also. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, I've been been getting my musky uh, flies, and they're like eight, ten inch streamer flies. And <laughs> the streamers, yeah, that looks like fun. I watch a, a a gentleman on that hook shots. He was on there, part of the field and streams channel, and now he's a part of the uh, uh, meat eater family. That Joe Strelly, he's big on fly fishing for anything from pickerel to pike to musky, and it looks like a blast. Looks oh, like yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Think, looks I like a lot of work, Ted. I think I'm gonna lose some uh, flies probably, but yeah, <laughs> you, know, but you, tie, you just tie some more. We know where you can get some fly tying equipment, don't we, Lyle? We do supplies. <laughs> okay, maybe I have to we, find somebody. We tie crappie jigs here every now and then on Saturday nights. We'll hang out like three or four of us. We had Mr. Kim Burnett on here uh, um, a couple of weeks back, and we, we we're all kind of getting into it. Lyle's kind of sucked us into his hobby, and and now our wives are all cussing him for spending all our family fortune. So, 
I wonder if Kim and Eric know how have ever tied any of them big streamers like that. I think Kim's still in here. I don't know if Eric is is at work or not, but I've never tied any of them big streamers, but I'd be willing to give it a try. I bet Kim's tied some of them up. It's pretty cool stuff out there. I, I Kim has me talked into buying a fly rod for panfish and stuff. Right. I just need to I just need to get that order placed and, and get it on there. I figure I'd I'd, I'd hit it. I'm kind of going to ask the wife for Christmas, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, there you go. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. I think yep. those in these in a big green ears would be just a gas on a really light fly rod. You know? They absolutely would. They absolutely would. I, I'm a, I'm, I'm northwest of Chicago. I actually live really close to where uh, Brian B. of the Googans kind of started. His parents still live up here by me. And the reason why he did so well is because our ponds are so filled with everything from bass to, to all different size, you know, panfish up here. So, I mean, it, it'd be a good place. And since they're newer subdivision ponds and stuff, there isn't that many trees. So there's plenty of room for me to get that those casting skills down with a fly rod. So yeah, a little practice in the backyard before you go. <laughs> That's right. So what's new with you guys? You got you got trips planned? Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a catfishing tournament this weekend against a guy from the state of Louisiana. Uh, he had the hurricane went through down there, so we had to postpone our date till this weekend. So we're going to be doing that, and uh, we've actually got a panfish tournament coming up uh, that I think is going to be a pretty big entry. And if he gets all the entries in it that we think, they'll have you'll have to be drawn out by uh, just to get in it. So uh, we're all looking forward to that. Well, that Absolutely. Cool. You, you last year. Um, let's see. I was on Catfish Weekly, and you guys were talking about a trip, a channel cat trip. Oh, Ted. How did, how did that end up? <laughs> it was awesome. Was it? It, it was, was awesome. Are you seeing my face, Ted? This is what this is what I looked like the whole way when I was there. <laughs> we were having a lot of time up there in Mendota. We had a blast up there. We, got, we, got we caught a bunch of twenty pound from twenty to thirty pound fish. Uh, every day, really. Man, I've never seen cat, I've never seen catfish do so many tail stands before in my life, Ted. It was really, really fun <laughs> to catch him. I got a seventeen pounder on a nice fishing rod. That was a good time. That's a good time. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, it was. Uh, we'll be going back up there again this year. Uh, coming up, Ted, you ought to try to meet us over there. God, am I might. That I love chasing channels. I really do. They're they're a good fish. They're fun. Well, these aren't exactly your average everyday channel cat. Those are shit. Twenty-seven, thirty pounds. We yeah. got a twenty. One in the group got a twenty-nine plus pounder. That third, you know, a thirty-inch walleye and a thirty-pound. Thirty seems to be the magic number for some reason in fishing. A thirty-inch walleye, thirty-pound channel cat, right? Yeah. A thirty-pound king salmon. It just seems to be that magic number. I don't know what it is, except for maybe smallmouth. Smallmouth. What are we talking about? Twenty-incher. That's the magic number for a smallmouth. Uh, Twenty. Twenty-two. Well, you're a better man than me. I can't get over like I'm 16. I'm trying to get them to let me use those for bait in Missouri. Yeah. Right, Mendota, those are, that's a shallow body of water, isn't it? No, it is not. Mendota is not, but Cherokee is. Cherokee oh, is okay. the adjoining lake. That's Cherokee the Madison goes, chain up there. Yeah, they go right one into the other. Uh, they go into Cherokee to spawn, and that's the time we're up there is right, right before spawn. And they're yeah. migrating up into that shallow water and 
it was really, really shallow this year because we had trouble getting around in it uh, because of the many weeds that are in there. But, um, yeah, if you like to catch channel cat, that is – I fished Red River. I've never been to, to, to Lockport, but I fished it on the, Missouri, uh, on the United States side uh, pretty hard. Yeah. And I never caught fish like I do in that lake. Never. It was it was a good time. People were catching walleye, bass. Walleye, bass. People were catching northern pike over there. I think uh, Parker got, what, like a 30-inch northern, 32-inch northern pike, something like that, if I'm mistaken. Nasty. <laughs> they're, no, they're, they're nowhere near as nasty as a blue cat as far as the side oh, coat yeah. goes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's still fun to catch, and there's a lot of big. There's a lot of big perch in Mendota. I hopefully uh, I might be able to get out there this this winter. Hopefully, we'll see. Yeah, uh, go do a little perch fishing out there. You know, jewelry. I think channels are one of her favorite uh, fish. I maybe run her down there someday and take her. Take her. Oh heck yeah! Well, in May, like I say, right before they load up to spawn, just uh, stay in touch, and I will let you know when we're headed up there. It'd be awesome if you and Jory could make it over there. That'd be great because regardless of the fishing or the conditions, we're going to have a good time. Well, there you go. <laughs> we're going to have a great time. Yeah. That's what a fishing trip's supposed to be, isn't it? Just a good we time. Had, we had some of the best eats. The ladies and some of the guys got together and fixed up a big old meal out in the behind the parking lot in the grass where we were parking our boat trailers up there. And I I didn't think I would ever stop eating. I mean, it just was awesome. We had everything under the sun, and it was all good. Running running cut bait mostly on that. Yeah, it was all cut bait. All cut bait. All cut okay. bait that time. Yeah, good enough. I'd like That's to moment of silence for all the bluegills that gave their life for a heck of a week. <laughs> oh, absolutely, and thank <laughs> you, James <laughs> Doctor, for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am heading up to Genoa, Wisconsin to fish the Mississippi River. A, a friend of mine rented a house up there, and uh, we're going to try and get on some walleye and some perch while we're up there and see if there's any flathead left to be caught. So I'm looking forward to that. Good. Good. I want to I try my hand at those yellow perch one of these days. Well, South Dakota's got a lot of them. They uh, do. That's a beautiful up. place up there. I always yeah. thought if I ever went up there that I would probably uh, go pheasant hunting, but as it stands right now, if I go up there now, it would probably be perch and channel cat. <laughs> you know, if the, if the water stays up, we boy, we got a ton of rain here, and the, the rivers are coming back up. If the water is good next year, you guys should come out, and I'll take you log jamming. We'll do some flatheads. All right. I'm in for that. Yeah, I'm in for that. I'll only have to bring one pole. That's the only thing. What are you guys using for well, no, bait? South Dakota, we can have two. Minnesota we can have two. Okay. Yep. There you go. Yep. And I got the boat. You don't need to bring anything if you don't want. We'll just go do some logs. We'll run the Jim River and catch some, catch some flatheads during the middle of the day. That sounds okay. fun. That sounds like fun, doesn't it, Lyle? It does to me. You know, yeah, we got it, our it, whole gang is down in Alabama fishing. Maybe they can sit around and host shows while we're up and up fishing flathead up north while they're at home doing this stuff. What do you That's think? That's a good idea, right there. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Ryan says idea. he wants to come with setting hooks and crossing eyes. He's like, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, 
get some yeah. takers for that. That'd be good. It sounds like a wonderful time to me because um, I'm hoping things change for me a little bit because I really haven't targeted uh, flatheads for a long time because we were so heavily into uh, tournament fishing. And I'm just about to the age where I'm, I don't care as much about that as I used to. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, I still want to do these things like Chad's doing and Mark's doing because they're fun. But, um, you know, we put a lot of miles on for a lot of years. And um, a, a deal like just targeting flatheads, to me, that right now, that sounds a lot more interesting. Uh, so, yeah, that would be something that I would be really interested in. This like that trip to Mendota. Um, I couldn't wait for winter to get over and spring to get here so we could get up there. Yeah, and, that's an early, that's that's a spring trip, isn't it, Mendoza? Yep, May. May, yep. I think okay. it was the third week of May, I believe. But okay. uh, it was, uh, and and up there we have, I have a friend, Jerry, and, and a bunch of his friends that go up there every year. We all got together and, and uh, had a big dinner one night up there. I think it was Thursday night, wasn't it, Mark? Uh, yes, it was. We had a blast. We were there. I think this year what we're going to do is we're going to get the um, the campsite next to him, and we're going to set up a bunch of tents and try to bring some of our own hospitality. Yeah, just Don't just yeah, just set up, just rent a, a spot beside their spot. Sure. Uh, just so we got plenty of room and don't infringe on anybody else because there was a lot of us up there. But man, we did. We had a great time. We had a good time. There's a lot of people. I met some of the best people in the world fishing, Lyle. Absolutely. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. It is. There, and it goes both ways. There's some in the fishing industry that's not so good. But for the most part, everybody is really great. And well, that's, just, that's like anything, isn't it? That's and, right. That's right. Uh, yeah, for the most part, people are good. Yep. And, and a guy that's catching fish, he's usually the happiest guy you're going to be around <laughs> that day. Yep. My wife will call me before I go home from fishing. She'll ask me, so did you catch any fish? And if I say no, she has to brace herself for when I get home. So <laughs> it's no lie either. I get pretty crabby, 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 crabby. So tell, tell us a little bit about some of the fish that you've caught, and is there any fish out there that you still want to catch that you haven't, Ted? Mm, boy, well, my biggest flathead on the Sioux River is 52. My biggest flathead on a Jim River is like 48, which for up here, those are big flats. Oh, yeah. Um, my biggest channel is 28 in South Dakota. That's a good one. Yep. Uh, biggest northern is 18 in South Dakota. I think, actually, I, I want the state record channel cat, to be honest with you. And, and what uh, do you know what that state record is? Yeah, it's 30, 30, 30 pounds some odd ounces right now. It's and doable. That was, just, that was just broke. I don't know. You know, I don't know if you guys remember a year ago we had uh, they had a blue cat listed in South Dakota as a state record channel. I heard about that. Yeah. Well, we got that mixed. You know, it's like okay, count the anal rays. I mean, look at this fish. You know, <laughs> I mean, really take a look at this. This is a blue cat. Anyway, so they did that, and they, yep. It is, you know, they decided it's blue. They took it out. They opened it up wide open, zero. And it took about, oh, I don't know, three, four months, and we had a 30-pounder on. So 30 pounds is a good fish. They get they get bigger than that, but sell, few and far between. 
that 30-pound thing you were talking about. It is that 30-pound thing. I think it's got to be genetics to get them any bigger than that. I think 30 pounds is kind of the ceiling for the species from my my understanding. But that doesn't mean they won't get bigger. You know, that's where world records come from. That's right. Yep. Oh, no, they can for sure. It just, you know, the the fish we took off the books was just so obvious that, you know, and I, I don't, or the guy that caught it, uh, he has the state record for blue cats and and legitimate fish. He caught them both same spot, one one night, one the next night. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was, what, 50, 60 years ago, you know, and, you know, one the big ones are blue, the small ones are channel. Well, <laughs> not really, but, you know, that, that's yeah. kind of the way it went down. Yeah. So I'm going to ask some self-serving questions here. Let's talk about walleye. Fall's coming. Fall's prime time for walleye. Where do we want to start looking for walleye on rivers and lakes? Uh, in South Dakota or just anywhere? Just anywhere in general. Let's talk general. Just anywhere? Okay. In, uh, in October, okay. In October up here, I don't know, you know, other, like mm-hmm. fall, it's going to be a different time frame. But when the leaves start coming off the trees up here, we'll do it that way. I, I, I'll start going to the lowhead dams on the smaller rivers and the rock shorelines on the lakes where the wind's coming in and doing all jigs and minnows uh, that's from shore. If you're going for from the boat on the boat run, they will start going in the lakes. They'll start going into deeper water just like the, the crappie are going to do. Um, but at night, Okay, here's an example. Lake Thompson, you may have heard that north of here. Um, mm-hmm. Good walleye lake, big lake. Got some deep water in it. Well, deep for South Dakota, 30 foot, you know. Um, during the day, uh, you know, you're, you're pulling plugs in, in 20 to 30 foot of water, and that's where you're going to catch them about now, maybe a couple weeks from now. But at night, you know, you get down around 11, 12 o'clock at night, those fish are up in two foot of water. It's amazing. They just move, and it's a big deal. Like the old ham road up here, guys that are listening, if you're from this area, you know exactly where I'm talking about. It's three foot deep out in the ditch, and you go past that, it's knee deep, you know. Uh, but by 11 o'clock at night, there's walleyes all over that place. They're, in, but, they're just in there feeding. They're moving in the feed and the cover of darkness kind of easier yep. on their eyes too right there is or is that a myth their eyes are real light sensitive aren't they oh very very yeah they, they'll if you hit them with a flashlight they glow just like a tiger yep yeah it, it's they're very very good with the night vision uh that's that's where they make it you know i've heard rumors i've heard rumors about a place a spot on the madison chain again up here just north of me where you can fish under a bridge in about three feet of water that's fully lit and you can actually sight fish walleye in the middle of the night under there with plugs that's another thing that i'd like to try one of these days so i might have to hire a uh, Brian B up north and maybe hire him as a guide to have him show me the ropes on that. I'd look forward to that. But that's just me getting ready to fish for walleye this fall. I'm yep. looking forward to it, looking forward to some of that table fare and then chasing the crop on the, on the ice. Fall is a great time to chase walleyes, and there will be some big walleyes caught in the fall. Those big fish they put on the feed bag, big time. And the biggest fish in South Dakota get caught in the fall. In the fall. I know everybody talks spring, and spring bites really good. 
It is, but the fall bite is going to be your biggest fish up here. Anyway. Okay. Ryan Bortz from Brian Bortz Blue Collar Fish and a good buddy of mine says, do sawgye follow the same patterns as walleye? Yes, except the depth difference on the, those two species. Um, the sauger, well, okay, walleye are going to, out of the three, you got sauger, walleye, sawgye. Uh, the walleye are going to be the shallowest fish. Sawgye will fall in the middle. Sauger are going to be the deepest. If you're in, uh, okay, if you're in, let's say, 25 feet of water and you're catching walleyes or 20 foot of water, you're catching walleyes, the sauger and sawgye are going to start at 10 foot deeper. Just period. Go to 30 foot if you want them. If you're catching walleyes in 20. Uh, other than that, the presentation, the time of day, the migration patterns in the spring and fall, they're the same. You know, they'll follow the mm -hmm. same pattern. Um, and that's why you do get some some natural uh, hybrids between the sauger and walleye too, just mm -hmm. naturally, you know, because they're spawning. Uh, but the water depth is a big deal on those different species. They, they prefer different. Channels and blues are the same way. You know, uh, South Carolina, Santa Cooper, catch channels all day long. If you're catching them at 15 foot, you go to 25, 30 for blues, and there you go. <laughs> you know, same place, but just take it 10 foot deeper. So, yeah. Hope, hopefully that answers your question, Ryan. If anybody has any more questions uh, for Ted while we have him on here, um, get them in here because we're running on about an hour. We don't want to absorb his whole night, although uh, I'm pretty sure we could. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we want to get all the questions you have answered. So if you have any more of them, let's see them. Where would you look for them at a dam? Uh, are you, what are you talking about, Kelly? For walleye? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, hopefully he'll post up. Uh, I imagine that's what he's asking about. I would guess so, yeah. Okay. Uh, you, pretty typical situations. You want to look for your current seams. Uh, in the cold water, when you know you get into October up here, later probably down south, you're going to want to feed fish the quiet water on the current break in the cold water. Okay. They're, I'm not going to say they're sluggish. You know, they're not, but they don't want to fight the current quite as bad. And the minnows don't want to fight the current quite as bad when it's cold, when the water is colder. Uh, whereas, you know, you get a warmer water, then you're right on the current seam. And sometimes the fast water is the place to be. You know, on the Missouri River, the dams, you know, at night with the lights on and the water is going, the more water they're pushing, the better the bite. And you're fishing right off the rocks. You know, you're casting, you're casting two o'clock upstream, and by the time you get your rappler back in, you're you're at eight o'clock downstream. Mm -hmm. uh, but if if you're going to be like jigging, I, I, you go for the current seams, just just like pretty much any other fish. And always keep a tight tight line, right? Whenever you're bouncing them off the bottom, that's oh yeah, that's, you want to keep contact with the jig because you're, you're going to feel a lot. Of, well, a big fish will just bump it. You know, almost like when a flathead hits a live bait, the rod will mm -hmm. just shudder, just kind of boom, and then it'll start taking your drag. Well, a big walleye will thump it like that too. It'll just, it'll just literally shudder the rod, you know. And a little walleye though will just kind of come up. He'll tap it. You got to hit him right there. 
you know, or keep a tight line so he hooks himself, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's even better. Yep. Contact, though. You got to have contact with your bait. Awesome. I don't see any other questions coming in tonight. Tim, thank you so much for joining us on our show. It's always, it's a pleasure to have you in here. And uh, anytime you have any new content or anything that you'd like to share with people, whether it be for panfish or catfish, please don't hesitate to get a hold of me because we sure like to get uh, input from you. And keep me posted on them regulations if they go through and when they go through because I really think that that will force these other states to have to do something because that will give the people that's pushing to get them regulations in place ammunition to throw at their conservation departments or whoever's in control of making those regulations. Yep. Uh, one way to push that real quick, you're right. If you got one state that has this regulation, it's a real nice tool to use with the other state. That's right. If, if the connecting states, the boundary waters, have the same regulation, it's a lot easier to enforce the regulation, and it doesn't mess with the fishermen. Everybody knows what they can do. That's exactly right. And, you know, Iowa likes that, too. That's a lot of some of the reason why they're doing what they're doing. Yep. You know, the, well, the whole Missouri rivers will be the same way. We've been pushing forward in Missouri for a long time, and we're getting some stuff done, but they're so slow that my patience runs very thin and I have to leave them alone for a while just to keep from making myself do something I regret later. <laughs> How can people find you? Thank you guys for having me tonight. No anybody listening, thanks for joining us. Ted, how can people find you online? Ted, how can people find you online, my friend? Where can people find you online, Ted? Boy, Mark, you're cutting out. I'm sorry. Where where can where can people find you online, Ted? Uh, Facebook. Just type my name in. That that's cool. the best place. Yep. Yep. And Check uh, them out. Well, thank you so much for being on. Well, thank you again for being part of the show. I want to thank everybody that's been in chat tonight. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel if you have not. Um, that helps us get our content in front of more people and allows us to have great guests like Ted Ellensbecker on our show. So please uh, hit that thumbs up. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, don't forget, Monday night, Catfish Weekly and Mark's Catfish Crappie Podcast. So be and sure don't, don't forget Sunday morning, Lyle Stokes versus Creole Catfish on the Catfish and Crappie channel. Watch them fish head-to-head -head live. We're going to have a good time. It'll be a blast, I promise. <laughs> there we go. All right, folks. See you next week. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys.